Welcome to the Nicholas Tally Show, where we chat with entrepreneurs, experts, and entertainers to help you live a more fulfilling life and take your business to the next level. This is part two of chatting with Lael. If you haven't listened to part one, I recommend you pop on over to that one. It's the last episode in the queue. Listen to that, then rejoin us here. A quick recap, Lael is an investor and a growth partner. He helps seven-figure business owners systemize their business so they can make an exit at the business's peak value. This episode will be completely uninterrupted. We're not tolerating ads here. We're not talking absolutely ad-free. Stay away ads. But the deal is if we're going uninterrupted before we dive in, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, we're doing our part. You got to do yours. Share this episode with a friend that you know would benefit from it. These shares and reviews help me reach out to guests, which in turn will bring more value to you on how to live a fulfilling life and level up your business. Riddle of the week, what do you call two monkeys that share an Amazon account? Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out. That was the intro. Now here here is the episode. When it comes to building wealth, why does mergers and acquisitions make the most sense to scale a business quickly? I mean, it's the fastest way. So there's two angles that I look at it from. I look at it from a business perspective, and you can also look at it from a personal perspective when it comes to wealth. So on the business side of things, it's the fastest way to accelerate your company and prove that value. So for example, if you had a, a digital marketing company and then you bought another digital marketing company as a bolt-on, when you combine the sales from both of those companies, you've automatically increased the revenue of the entire business without having to do anything in the first business, right? So you essentially are increasing your revenue and your sales or your operations or your team, whatever you need, you're increasing that with one transaction in one day rather than trying to do everything organically. So that's the business side. On the personal side, I don't think this is talked about enough, but I believe that you really generate true wealth when you sell a business. Like when you think about like the businesses that we run, like even with the profit that you make, it's really just funding your lifestyle. Th that's how I see it. And so like when you sell a business, like when you exit a business, you're essentially creating a capital event. And that capital event, consider that like a large chunk of money, that is essentially what creates passive income that you can leverage for more opportunities. So if, you generate true wealth when you sell and you make money when you sell a business, then that means that you should be selling businesses more often. Uh, Richard, there's plenty, there's plenty of examples of Richard Branson, right? Like he talks about how uh, Virgin was borderline insolvent, but he sold it for 510 million pounds, I think. Wow. To, to EMI like back in the day. So just, he only had to be right one time, right? Like just that one transaction is what gave him all of the wealth to start making other investments and to live off whatever he does or did with that money to continue to grow it. I mean, he's still a billionaire today, right? Saying just being right once and having that one transaction is eye-opening in, in a sense, because it's true. You know, one yeah. transaction could alter your life. But something that we got here is 80% of businesses don't sell, which means 80% of businesses or CEOs, they're not having that, that payday exit. Yep. What can business owners start doing today to turn their business into a product 
that can be sold? I would say to start thinking above the business, not on or in the business. I've heard different people use different language to say that same thing. There's four activities that I've seen, like the wealthy when operating there above the business, like what they focus on. The first is mergers, second is acquisitions, third is joint ventures, and the fourth is exits. And remember how we were just talking about how ex- exits is what creates those capital events. So when you start thinking from that perspective, you are thinking about internal improvements and external like integrations that increase the equity value rather than thinking from like trying to sell more products and services to improve the bottom line. There's a huge difference between the two. So I think that's the, it's just a subtle mindset shift to start thinking, okay, how can I improve and increase the equity value of this business rather than me trying to sell more of this widget? What if I acquired a competitor that's already selling the same type of widgets that I do, right? So it's it's leveraging those opportunities through those four activities that I mentioned. That's a great way to look at it too. And let me ask this, what's the most common operational and infrastructural action that business owners are letting slip through the cracks that are affecting them most? Because when you say that, I think to myself how businesses that are being bought have systems in place and they're also profitable. Where do you see most businesses falling short in the operational infrastructure side? I think personnel is one one uh, key that it, of the business that's overlooked, like having the right person in the right uh, position in the business. So I think that's one of the things to tackle. Also, there are some things that could be automated that's not. For example, on the customer service side of things, right? Or anything automated regarding their marketing. There's some things that could be automated that's not. Um, Just automating the whole back office side of things is probably gonna be super valuable. And, And just most business owners don't know how to do that. So automating the back side of things, personnel, and then overall just cash flow, man. There's some things that just take some businesses, I mean, that just need some simple financial restructuring to be good. And they just don't see it because they're too close to the business. It's similar to when I was working within a marketing agency, a lot of the uh, clients that came to us, the offer that they needed to put out into the marketplace was clear to us. It just wasn't clear to them because they had been using and thinking about the same type of services and structure for so long that they couldn't see what it looked like. And so having an outside eye on what's already going on, now we can start creating um, strategy or putting playbooks together to make it work. I can definitely see how business owners, and I'm sure I'm doing it myself in some way where I'm looking at my shoes rather than looking <laughs> up at up at what's available to me and the resources that I that I need to alter. Tell me about these deals. I hear some rumors on the streets that uh, you can get a business for 0% down. And <laughs> how, how are people finding these kinds of deals, no money up front? And maybe this is a good time to talk about equity for consultation to this joint, the joint venture strategy. So let me address one thing that you said first, because I think it's a, it's a subtle distinction, but it makes a big difference. I would prefer the language zero out of pocket, meaning... Like zero out of my pocket yeah, <laughs> or zero out of your pocket. And th- the reason why I make that distinction is because 
sometimes there are deals where there does need to be some money that's put up. However, it shouldn't be your money. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's that's the distinction. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like because even legally, you got to do like at least a dollar. There has to be some type of exchange. Right. right. So that's why there's some guys that have said, oh, I've done a deal for like a dollar because there has to be something legally. It would be zero if they could. But the minimum was like, OK, let me let me do a dollar. And to answer your question, those deals do exist. It really is dependent on where the business is operationally, and also the motivation of the seller. Um, I think that's one of the biggest key components. I've ran across several of those deals. I'm working on a couple right now that fall into that category where nice amount of revenue, um, but just not profitable or upside down. So how can we make this work? And I think a seller's motivation really is a big key to that because if they don't believe that they have a problem or if they're not motivated, then it's not going to matter. It's not, a deal's not going to move forward. So the way that people have found them. So for me, I do cold email outreach, uh, relationships with brokers, uh, LinkedIn, and also my network. When I first got into this, I just had opportunities that came to me from the people that I was connected to. Those are all great sources. I'm sure there's plenty of others. I like to focus like on like two or three and really try to automate the, the majority of that process so that it's just, hey, who is in my inbox or who is interested so I can schedule a call. And as far as the structure of the deal, again, that really just depends on uh, the seller's motivation and what's going on in the business. Are there any must-haves in the structure of the deal? Because I'm thinking to myself, let's say I see an opportunity and I'm like, this seems like there's something there. Mm -hmm. Is there any things that I like have to have in order to make something happen? And you can even talk about maybe what your, mm, what's necessary to have in the deal and maybe what your qualifiers are for yourself and saying this deal makes sense and this is what I'm going to pursue this one. Yeah. I like to start with the person first, you know, so how I mentioned like motivated. Yeah. I think another part of that is them being, having like a growth minded, like being growth minded, because if there, there are some, like most businesses uh, are like lifestyle businesses where essentially, hey, this funds my lifestyle. My wife, kids, we can go on vacation every now and then. I'm cool with where it's at. But a growth-minded entrepreneur is looking to expand beyond a lifestyle business if that's where they're operating. So I think that's the first thing is, are they growth-minded? And if they are growth-minded, are they also motivated? And I think a third part of that person is, do they want capital? So a key for that is, when it comes to capital, capital is not just cash. It's resources, it's skills, it's knowledge that I provide that would be valuable. So if an entrepreneur is motivated, they have a growth mind, and they want capital, okay, right there, that's checking off that first box. The second thing that I look at as far as a deal being attractive to me, I mean, there's some criteria, right? Like I feel like the sweet spot of opportunities is between one and 10 million in revenue, where they're break even or profitable, um, where they have simple business model and pricing, and they have some type of assets that can be leveraged. Um, and assets can be a number of things, right? Like their IP, the brand, their website, their email list, software, those type of things. And 
if there's opportunities for me to to add value. All of that being said, the sectors that I like that fall within those are e-learning providers, internet and media publishing. I'm a musician, so I love the arts and entertainment space and also B2B training companies um, as well, especially if there's like a certification aspect um, because there are some industries that require that their participants have certain licenses and certain certifications. So that business model, that industry is, is really intriguing to me when there's companies that are out there providing the education for that professional um, to be legit in their, in their space. Man, I love all that. That's such a great breakdown, especially of the, the difference in capital and assets and how those things play a part too. And something that's coming up is at the core of all these businesses, the people are still at the center of it. You're never going to get around Telling the people, you. the people's motivation, the business yeah. owner's motivation. That's It's inescapable. So being able to work with people. Yeah, you have to start there, man. I mean, that that's the place where I start. Like even before I'm looking at like the business and stuff, it's like, is there a connection between me and the seller? Or even if they're not looking to sell, like, is there an opportunity for us to still do business together um, for them now? I mean, because the reality is there's a lot of entrepreneurs that they hear this language about exiting their business. And I've had conversations with business owners that are doing well. They're like, well, I don't really want to exit right now. I'm thinking about an exit four or five years down the line. Okay, cool. But where can I provide value now? Where can we work together now so that you are ready when you're ready to exit? Yeah, because the majority of the times they're not. And so either way, there's value that I can provide. And it's not just saying, OK, here's a hundred thousand dollars for you to put into your marketing. That's funny. I'm almost picturing them being like, I'm going to exit now. Now, they'll <laughs> jump in now. I'm ready. <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, you did where the four years go. Right. Well, and then then you get in and it's like, oh, yeah, well, I don't have an account or anything. I just put everything in a spreadsheet of my own. It's like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Great. Sounds great. That's funny. I'm curious your thoughts on this. So I feel like leverage is taking it's expanded in what it means. I think it used to mean capital and labor. And now I think there's possibly three other ones. Maybe maybe one of them has always been there. I think code has been introduced. Like you're saying, software is, mm-hmm. is now part of the leverage. I think audience in certain cases is also a part of leverage. We see with people with big followings, I think that plays into it. Somebody that can be like, buy my coffee machine I made, and then there's a bunch of sales or something like that. Mm-hmm. Another one I think that I haven't really thought of before until recently is also network. I think network plays some leverage in that too. How do you see those last three, or even maybe just code and audience playing a factor into deals nowadays? Because I feel like it's becoming more common, more prevalent at least. I can definitely speak to audience because I'm working on a deal right now where there's an opportunity for us to introduce audiences to him Mm. to sell more of his stuff. And I think that audiences are one of the, the, I feel like they're often neglected um, because we just don't think about them. But there is someone out there that's probably selling what you sell, right? So how can you, going back to what I was talking about, those four activities, how can you joint venture with someone to get in front of their audience or borrow their audience's attention? So I, I definitely feel like there's a huge opportunity there to to leverage that. and being able to present that to a a seller or a business owner to say, hey, we can leverage this particular audience to help you out, whether it's sales, whatever. 
here's an opportunity for you. They see that as valuable. On the coding side of things, I haven't gotten into too many scenarios um, on the coding side of things. I will say that I believe that there are, when it comes to the development side, if that is needed, whether it's developing an asset like a website or some type of uh, network or even building some type of software as a an asset to a company that already exists, that definitely makes it, the, makes it a whole lot easier to do when you don't have to, because there's, there's platforms now where you don't have to actually code, right? So having someone that knows how to use, navigate around that is super helpful when it comes to deals, because again, that is something that you can leverage in the conversation with someone if it's needed. Ah, it's so fascinating. All of it's so intriguing to me. Yeah. And like we've discussed before, I, I feel like if there's a shift that I think entrepreneurs need to start making in, I don't want to say in the masses, but like in, in a general sense, I think viewing your business as a product and seeking to have it be sold in some capacity or at least acquire other companies, if you want to stay in it, I think that needs to be more top of mind because I don't think it comes up in conversation enough, truly. Yeah, agreed. I mean, what has been taught to us like as a business owner is, hey, you become an entrepreneur, you be a business owner, you can live the lifestyle that you want. And I mean, that's cool for a time, right? But if you're looking to grow, like you're wanting to experience more out of your business and, and get more involved in the business world, then that, I feel like that's the next step is don't just have a lifestyle business unless you want that. But if you want to get beyond that, then there's this whole other world out there of business that can be had. Yeah, I agree. Leo, we are rapidly approaching the final question of the podcast. Okay. You made it. But before <laughs> we hit that question, I want to acknowledge you for who you are. I think it's incredible to see someone who has core values and then to also live by them. Oh, I man. think there's people that have these ideals of how they believe they should live and then they don't do that i've seen you live out the the connection the the generosity to the aim for simplicity and i've also seen you know you've been incredibly generous to me and i i can only imagine how generous you've been to other people too and i really appreciate all this knowledge you've gathered over the years that you've been sharing with us and your work ethic and all those things i just have a ton of respect for you so happy have you jumped on i appreciate you saying that nick it's, it's been a pleasure to, to chat with you that means a lot absolutely the final question of the podcast is what does it mean to live a fulfilling life uh, that's a good question i would say the simple side of things which is i feel like for me faith is a big part so there's a scripture in the Bible, and I don't remember where it's at right now, but it's love God all your heart, soul and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think with doing both of those things, my life will be fulfilling as a byproduct of living my life that way, right? Um, because I feel like I will be fulfilled spiritually from the first component of that, and then I would be fulfilled in my relationships emotionally financially all of that but just loving my neighbor as myself if i treat somebody like how i would want to be treated i think that uh, i will end up when i pass away that there will be a lot of people that were impacted by my life whether i know them or not i probably will never see that gentleman that i sat down on the ground with in in, in uh, nashville again but I would like to think that one day him or anybody else 
that I've interacted with remembers that experience. I think that's a great answer. I also feel like, did you just pitch me the gospel with three components right there? Did you just line that up, the quality pitch me right there? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it is a great answer. I agree. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can they say hello? Yeah, look me up. So there's two ways. You can look me up on LinkedIn. I'd love for you to connect with me there. So it's Lael M. Cook. So you'll see my beautiful mug once you put that in. And you can also go to my website if you want to do an inquiry there, uh, boldvisioninvestments.com. Either one of those ways is totally fine. Sweet. Both of those will be in the show notes. Go click on them. Say hello. Leo, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. That was the episode. You just listened to it. How great is Lael? Lael brought the house down. Some really solid insights in there. Hope you were taking noggin notes. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share this episode with a friend that you appreciate. Give them a little love note. Say, hey, check out this podcast. Thinking of you. And I also find you devilishly handsome. And that's why I sent this one to you. The note goes a long way. They'll tune in if, if you send them a note. Takes five seconds couple taps of the thumb. Great use of your screen time. Do the same to me. Slide in my DMs. Add Nicholas Natale. Say, hey, just tune into the episode. want to give you my thoughts and I will respond. The real reason you're still here, you want to know the answer to the riddle of the week. What do you call two monkeys that share an Amazon account? Primates. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's, that's a pun, but it also says a lot about us. You know, it's home. It does. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you on Friday at 6 a.m. Don't forget to get after it. The time moves quick. Find clarity on what you want to do in your life. Write it down and be relentless. Chase it. If you want it, it can be accomplished. If you can dream it, if you can visualize it, if you can feel it in your, your brain, in your body, and see what you're, you're, you want your future to look like, don't hesitate to chase it. All right, that's a lot. Bye.